Dagger. The entry hall to the building was dimly lit, the stone floor barely visible. Small beams of moonlight peeked through the curtains of the windows, illuminating small specks of dust in the air. That same light danced across the exposed blade of the woman. Small and slender, it was an inconspicuous thing, no ornamentation, simple, functional. Her brow was covered in small beads of sweat as she squared herself against her opponent, blade held low. Her foe was a large man. His close-cropped hair was dark, his muscles finely toned from many days of swordplay. His blade was held in one hand, point aimed for the woman. They had found themselves at odds. Her goal lay up the spiraling staircase. There the child slept. Swords clashed and sparks flew as the man stepped in with a powerful downward strike, his short sword cutting through the air. The woman interposed her smaller blade at the last second and shifted her weight to the left. Her block was unable to fully stop the blow, instead redirecting it over her right shoulder. His sword swung harmlessly by, gouging into the wooden walls. She extracted her smaller blade from the block, pulling back quickly, then sent it flying in a thrust towards the man's exposed neck. The urgency to reach the stairs was clear in her mind. The man saw the incoming thrust, and instinctively rolled his shoulders to his left. Her blade scored a hit on his cheek as he spun out of the way, a thin line of blood forming across his face. His sword came up in a strong guard, weapon held with both hands centered on his hips. The point was aimed at the ceiling, and it bobbed in time with his heavy breathing. The blood began to pour down the small cut causing his eyes to twitch in irritation. It took all of his mental discipline not to wipe at it. His eyes remained trained on the smaller figure. He instinctively kicked a rug out of the way as he began to move in a slow circle. The room was large enough for the two to maneuver a small amount, and each was hoping to find some advantage over the other. Before the urge to wipe the blood became too great, he roared as he charged at the woman. He sent his blade rocketing down over his right shoulder, snapping down at her clavicle. As she raised her dagger to deflect, he levered back with his bottom hand, causing the weapon to suddenly stop its momentum. Her block only met air, and she tried to readjust. As his sword came flying back to his shoulder, he twisted his bottom hand up and across in a horizontal swing at her exposed gut. The woman stepped to the side, trying to move out of the way but the blade tore across the right side of her midsection, carving a sizable gash. She stumbled under the weight of the blow, clutching her side with her free hand as she moved backwards. She began to whip her dagger wildly in front of her, trying desperately to score a hit against the man. Her blade rang against steel as the man brought his blade up to knock her feeble strikes to the side. Blood seeped through her fingers, flowing down her forearm to drip onto the rug laid on the stone floor. She knew that the wound could kill her in due time, if the man couldn't finish the job now. That was the only thought she had time for as the man attacked again. He had grabbed a small vase from a nearby dresser, flinging it through the air. The woman ducked under the missile, and as she came up, he had closed the distance. The woman hopped to the side in response as his short sword thrust for her face. She swung her dagger to block, as her other hand tried to slow the bleeding. She desperately deflected his strikes, collecting a few more superficial cuts on her as the blade broke past her defenses.
As the flurry of blows rained down at her, she tried to step outside of her opponent. With each step she took, he matched her, always sending in a strike at her. The man paused his onslaught after nearly a half a dozen strikes, again circling as he breathed from the heavy exertion. As he stepped back, the man absentmindedly wiped at the cut on his face. The woman saw her opponent's arm come up, causing his blade to sit in front of him in an awkward angle. She did not hesitate as his guard opened up. With the last bit of energy in her, she released the wound on her side, and she charged. The man reacted well, bringing his blade in a wide arc to intercept the blade he saw in his periphery. However, from a small pouch on her belt, she flung a handful of sand at his face. He swatted at his face with his blade, and she stabbed at the man's femoral artery. Her blade cut open the thick artery on the leg, and the man stumbled back. Blood flowed quickly down his breeches, and he struggled to regain his balance. She stood as the blood dripped off the tip of her blade. The man looked at her with confusion and spoke for the first time, clutching the wound as he stumbled. Poison? His stumbling became worse, and he lost his balance completely. He knocked into the dresser that had previously held the vase. It toppled over with a loud thud. The man's face was twisted in surprise as his body weight slumped down onto the ground, his blade clattering to the floor. The woman flicked the remaining blood off of her weapon and immediately clutched at her side. She winced from the pain, but continued past the body. She had come here for the child, and she needed to move quickly. She could hear his muffled cries from up the stairs. Her soft-soled shoes padded up the staircase, making little noise. She cracked open the door of the first room, peering inside. A small study lay within. No motion. She moved away, lightly closing the door. From down the hall, she could hear the boy's voice, clearer now. Mom? Dad? What's going on? She continued on to the next room. The door swung open on well-oiled hinges. She peered inside. The room was dark, and she cast a long shadow into the light spilling in from the doorway. The room was well-furnished. Small toys lay strewn about the floor. At the far end of the room, a small figure stirred in bed. The ruffled brown hair of the boy covered his eyes as he stared at the door. What's going on? She didn't reply. Small drops of blood from her wound dripped onto the floor. She stepped into the room, the door closing quietly behind her. What's happening? Why won't you talk? The boy said more frantically. She quickly closed the distance, and as the boy tried to speak again, she embraced him. He returned the embrace, hesitantly at first, but then gave in to the desire to be close. It was easy then. A simple movement, and the dagger pushed through the base of the skull. It was always more difficult when the young spoke. The small corpse was still warm as the door closed behind her on the way out. She dashed to the end of the hall and slipped out the window. A single cry of alarm echoed behind her as she left the estate, moving quickly through the city.
The job of an assassin was a bloody one, a point driven home by the blood dripping down her clothing. Her midsection ached as the wound there began to throb. She cursed herself. The talented sellsword who had been hired to safeguard the lord's estate was good, but she was better. Time passed and her hurried movements slowed. Her body ached and her breath came out in shaky gasps. She limped through the mouth of a nearby alley and leaned against the side of a building, looking behind her as she moved. She gasped in pain and only then realized she was holding on to her gut. She looked down to see a blood-covered hand, clutched desperately over the gruesome gash. It was a poor substitute for a bandage, and she saw the trail she had left behind her. Her vision darkened. Her body tensed and she pushed from the wall. A bloody hand pressed to the wall to keep her from tumbling. If she could just... Loud shouts came from the estate. Was that a bell? Ringing in the distance? Her heart was pounding, and she peeked around the corner of the alley to scout the street ahead. A light appeared in the distance, moving down the street. Damn! She spat between coughs. She stumbled back to the other end of the alley, barely catching herself as she peered at the other street. Another light. Her eyes shot up to the edge of the building, and she reached for a nearby ledge. Light spilled from around the corner. I found him! She turned. In her hand. A dagger. The end. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the third ever episode of I'll Tell You a Tale. I'm... Oh, I can't say that anymore. I'm one part of a now... Well, things are going to get kind of interesting over these next couple of episodes. We're going to be trying out some new things. Today, I'm joined by a new co-host. Um, how did I... Man, I didn't even say. I'm Nathan, and joining me today is... Yeah, I'm uh, Ethan Westoff. I'm actually a cousin of the two hosts. Yeah, we're just going to be having more people on. Alex is currently away, but as we get back into recording more and more episodes, he'll be back, and Ethan will be here, and we'll just be talking about stories and writing them as much as we can um starting news i'll say this right now and i'm also going to say it at the end we do have a website so if you guys are listening and want to check us out go to ityatail.com and uh, check us out i'll talk about that more at the end but we can jump in um hopefully if all has gone well you've just listened to a story um, that Ethan had wrote, uh, and if you want to go ahead and kind of like pitch what that, that premise is, we can start kind of brainstorming and breaking down what you already have. Sure. Um, so I listened to your previous podcast and I, and I really liked the concept that you guys were bringing out, just kind of pitching ideas and short stories and then sharing it with the community. I mean, there's a, not a lot of, uh, platforms, or at least I, I can't find any platforms for, sharing short stories but um so you, you mentioned uh that you were working on writing a book i also am working on writing a book um as of right now kind of in the last stages of the rough draft and uh when i was writing it i realized that i really like the detail of fight scenes and so 
I took one of those fight scenes, changed it up, kind of changed all the names. I actually took them out. And so I just wanted to take this fight scene and then just expand it and see where it went. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I think it's interesting because there's like... Uh, I think that I recommended him in the first episode. Um, I have a really good author that I like. His name is Patrick Rothfuss. And I remember there was a there was a specific fight scene that like got brought up at a panel that he was speaking at. And someone had asked him, like, well, how did you write that? And he's like, I didn't write that. I left, I intentionally left a lot of that vague so that you could imagine it. But, so that's one style of doing it. But there's also the other side of it where you, you have it so clear and you have like such an understanding of what's going on that you know, you know everything. Like, you know who's the better fighter. You know that if they're evenly matched or like, you know everything and i think that's what kind of what we're gonna try and uh paint with words right um i don't know if you mentioned him in the previous two episodes but uh ra salvatore does a really good job of just in excruciating detail describing what all of his characters are doing even minor characters that don't even have a name yeah i i don't know if we did mention him but it's it's been a while uh, since we recorded an episode, and that probably shows in the lack of episodes that have been posted, but we're going to be recording more frequently and posting more frequently, so keep an ear out. But I've read a few of his books. I think the he's got two series, one that, well, we, we can talk about that later at the end. If that's something that we want to talk about, let's focus on this this story that we're going to be telling today. Sure. So I guess the idea is there's a single swordsman or swordswoman. I picked a woman just because I like to switch between characters. And you don't really know her motivations. You don't know if she's a good person or the bad person or an indifferent person. But she is in a fight with a male foe. We'll call her a male foe. I mean, we do have the template name Mark Mark the Ever Template. Sure, Marquette, Marquette and Mark. How about that? Marquette and Mark Perfect. are fighting. Perfect. Yeah, um, I don't know if you need to describe the blades too much. So you just leave it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you leave the blades nondescript because... Cause if you, so, like, if you start using taboo names like Katana, then immediately your reader just kind of assumes, like, oh, hey, this is a feudal... Japanese assassin. This is a samurai, and maybe we don't want to give it that name or attach those uh, historical connotations to it. Yeah, sort of leave it intentionally in a vacuum so that if uh, could easily be adapted between different countries or time periods or anything like that. Sure. Yep. So we start. I I guess it's. A, Fight scenes are something that I always sort of tend to stray away from. And I I feel like if we're going to be going in detail, we should kind of like... I feel like the, the importance of spatial awareness is pretty... Well, I guess important, if I'm saying the importance of... Um, where is the location that they're fighting important? Is that we don't know their motivations, at least at the beginning... Maybe we find something out at the end, but 
is the environment something that comes into play or do we leave that also as an intentionally sure a blank canvas sure so i mean you can you can take time to narrate the entire scene i i like to as the fight is progressing the scene is explored and so instead of saying oh it is a rocky hilltop and there's two or three ridges and there's low grass and stuff like that you just kind of as they're fighting he or she mark or marquette steps onto the ledge getting a better vantage point getting the high ground so i like to explore the environment as i write yeah i think that's very apt especially in such a in a format that we're doing the short story have it sort of come into existence as they traverse it um and i guess this is uh interesting because before our previous two episodes we just kind of started from nothing uh in this case we already have sort of a a rough draft to work with so i guess most of the brainstorming is is what we want to add on to that and what we want to fill out or expand upon or or take it in a new direction if if we i i read through it pretty quickly not in any super great depth or detail but is is there any are there any visions that you have for what you want it to be i know at this point they've already listened to it um if we put it at the beginning so they already know how it ends but in in our current rough draft it's sort of a the fight scene and she's sort of working for some vague assassins guild and it turns out that her opponent was a guard um for some noble lord is yeah, that I like the idea of hey maybe you think that the protagonist is right but you have no idea and you make that assumption and watch when i change and i make it so that the protagonist isn't the good person the protagonist is actually part i mean is an assassin i picked an assassin just because i just wanted to focus on that where i wanted the reader to assume like hey like i'm rooting for the i mean the title is swords woman or swords man like i'm rooting for mm-hmm. that person but if you flip it then it's it adds a little twist yeah i guess that that could be an interesting sort of hinge pin to focus on of like that i wonder if there's a way to foreshadow that without without giving it away like um maybe she is trying to get past him to a room and we as the readers don't know what's in the room um but he in in the way that we describe him in the way that we describe his movements he's sort of a an obs like just an obstacle for her to get past he's he's maybe he's like fighting dirty or something like that so we kind of set up that we're still we're still on her side at the beginning and then as as the fight progresses she she's becoming increasingly more desperate and you're sort of wondering well what's in the room what sh- what is she getting what is she trying to get past him to what is he keeping her from and then as we focus in on the end of the fight 
maybe maybe that's how it ends is she steps into the room and there's it's it's written in sort of this third person uh omnipotent narrator you kind of get a peek into her thoughts and it's like the the battle is over and now now comes the part i hate the most and it's just like a guy in a desk or maybe like even if if we're gonna bank really hard on that like oh she's actually a, an assassin a bad guy it's like a, a kid or something that that seems kind of dark to like j- jump onto yeah but i mean but, that but i mean hey that's what makes thrilling stories is just the unexpected and i mean readers don't want or at least I, as a reader, don't want to just read the same story but written by different people because that's it's exhausting and boring. I want to read different Wait, stories. Waste time. Yeah, so like maybe what do we just want to make the executive decision and say we're gonna we're gonna jump off that that cliff and just have like just immediate like that twist. We're gonna focus on that twist and she she steps through a room and like maybe. Maybe he wasn't a guard for a noble family. Maybe it was like he was like the father figure or something like, or the older brother of like some important person. And you, after he's dead, after he's lying on the ground, we kind of like focus in more on his like attire. And you realize that like, he's not wearing like, street clothes he's not like a bandit or something that's broken into her house she's the intruder here and like maybe he's fighting with like a decorative sword or something that he took off the wall no and like that's that's a really good twist of it because i think the way that i had it to start with is they're like outside and she's already completed her job and then i had her get pretty seriously wounded and is now searching for help but I'm, I'm all about any twist. And so the twist of putting them inside of the house and the job hasn't been completed makes it a lot darker, but I mean, it's still a twist and still accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish. Yeah, I could, like, it, it is dark, but I'm also kind of like, man, that, this could be very cool. This could be a very, like, like that's the, um, what, oh, what is that? You, you introduced me to a show, what's it called, Love, Death, and Robots. A lot of that, um, it, it is a collection of uh, short stories on Netflix. And a, a lot of the, a, a, something that I noticed as sort of like that through line is a lot of what makes those stories interesting is that like that final, that final moment or something where you realize something is going on. Like the Sunny's Edge, uh, without spoiling that one too much, it like, it's just there, at the end, and you're like, oh. Well, I think the best thing about those is, one, there's there's not really any happy endings. Yeah. Which is perfect, because not every story has to have a happy ending. And it, yeah, stories stories mimic life and in in most circumstances happy endings are fairly rare at least in some aspect it, it doesn't always go completely horribly wrong but this is this is fiction and that that can be interesting to explore 
Right. And I think one of the most important things is writing these people as people because if you as a reader don't really care, then you, do, you have no emotional investment in what you're reading. And so part of that is making it a little bit more realistic, a little bit more gritty, because those are, the, those are real people. They're not fake. Yeah. So maybe that's, as, as we're, as this, this is sort of like that one scene, th- them fighting, oh, and like maybe they're like traveling through the house, and as we're focusing on making sure that this is a very fleshed out, I like uh, all their motions are fleshed out and we're, we are aware of what's happening, we, we kind of get glimpses into maybe... Um, into her kind of like psyche a little bit and we're, we're trying to understand what her motivations are like we understand that she's trying to get somewhere she's trying to get past this person and as that we, we kind of focus on fleshing that out alongside all of the fighting that's going on we focus on fleshing out the the story or the the environment as as they he knocks her back onto some stairs oh there's a staircase here we also focus in on fleshing out her motivations as they become relevant and at the end when the when the twist happens nowhere else are they more relevant right no i I really like that idea putting them in the house makes a lot of sense um but i guess circling back to the detail of the fight so one of the things, and this might sound a little bit crazy, but so when I think of fighting, one, I, I enjoy fighting. I have a, a background a little bit in just just dabbling in some martial arts, and I used to wrestle and stuff. But one of the things that you do is, is you shadow box or you shadow wrestle. And so when I'm writing some of my sword scenes, I actually grab a sword from my closet, and I figure out, like, is this even a possible movement that I could perform? So along with martial arts, I, I actually got to do a little bit of uh, German longsword fighting for my bachelor party. And so that idea of moving the sword, like actually holding the sword and moving it in a way that you're about to write about it, like, makes it more real. Because, I mean, you're not actually in a life or death fight with somebody but you've moved the weapon around and you're familiar with it yeah it's kind of um banking back on the immersion and in such a short narrative we've got to focus on as much immersion as possible we want to build these characters up but also the story itself so it feels like it's something that you can buy into we can we can sort of hint at well we can display that the the world that we're writing about is real because these actions make sense and everything is is fought out it, it's not it's not that sort of like wild action movie scene where there are a bunch of cuts and you don't really know what's happening it's like that one long drawn out like you see everything that happens and you understand that everything is happening and you're like well maybe i like if I could do that, if, if I had the training, like it makes sense. And 
it just makes the scene more powerful, which is what we're going for. <laughs> the there's no better there's no more universally understood concept in humanity than violence. That's probably dark or untrue, but it sounded interesting. People get angry. That's a feeling that a lot of people can uh, associate with and protective. So maybe if we're we're playing off the idea that she is trying to, like, oh, maybe this is like a mother in her home or something and she's trying to protect something. Right. Finding out people can relate to that determination and then you're like, oh, well, no, she's an assassin. Well, what you could do is, we already mentioned that there's a child you have her think about the child. Completely out of context. Right. Flashes of the child's face danced across her mind as her blade swung against her opponent's face. Like that, you don't know. Is that her child? You would assume, but you don't know. Yeah, it kind of, it plays off of that. There's like this... I don't know if it's considered a riddle. I guess it is considered a riddle, but like they're, they're a father and a son and they get into a car accident and they show up at the hospital and the doctor there says, I can't, they, they're, they're very like critical and they, they need to have surgery done upon them. And the doctor says, oh, I can't do this surgery. It's my son. Like, how's that possible? Like a lot of people are, have that preconception that doctors are like men so you never think about it or like duh the doctor's his the doctor's his mother it makes sense but like there are a lot of people where that that in that context the way that it's set up when you're not when you're thinking oh how is it how can it be his father are they like is it like an adopted gay couple or something like that like oh no obviously it's the mother but if you have that that preconception of oh she's a woman and she's having thoughts about a child most of the time in all other media it is a child or someone she is trying to protect yeah absolutely i think that we could easily trick a reader <laughs> yeah not to say the yeah. readers are dumb because they're not but just letting them believe that- something I think that'd be I think that that will be the most the sign of us growing as writers most doing this is going to be how well we can not just like straight up lie and say that but like if we are somehow able to weave in clues that she has ill intent at while at the same time convincing 80% of the readers that she does not I think that's what that's what makes it good You're where it, it just doesn't come out of left field it has been built up to however slightly um, you may wonder oh well if this is the mom how is how, why does she have so much like martial prowess how is in, in some context you can easily write something like that off as oh it's it's the motherly instinct and oh people can know how to fight but 
um, to a certain extent, depending on setting and context, you can like, how does she know that this is a death blow? How does, how does she know where the artery on his neck or something is? You're like, Oh, cause she's an assassin and she's here to kill a child. So she has that kind of knowledge. Right. No, I really like this idea. It's kind of an interesting focusing a scene on build. Like we're just focusing on a fight scene and having weaving in. I think, I think most of this should be like subplot in this context is we, we have this stuff almost going on in the background as like the writing this as a fight scene as this action filled sort of like almost gets your like blood pumping and we almost we just have this sort of storyline to 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 tie you to the action to care about what's happening and then at the end you've been caring for the wrong person yep you're rooting against the person who just got killed and that's, uh, what do they say? History's written by the victors. Now, does she walk away to do her business again? Or does Marquette suffer some kind of wound? Because like I said, I originally wrote it with like, there's a grievous wound. And she's like struggling and looking for help. I think that might, I think that could add to that sort of twist that we're building to is like she she is wounded and oh she's she's a mother she's determined she's trying to get back to her child like oh no she's an assassin she's determined she's trying to finish the job and get out quickly and so like maybe maybe she is wounded and maybe um I don't know if we necessarily have to go into whether or not she survives, but I think leaving it as she's wounded is sort of an interesting, just one more thing to to play with. Right, because you don't need to give closure because you already gave the twist, you gave the thrilling story, and then part of that thrill is, oh man, what happened next? Well, you don't get to know. Sometimes you don't get to. That's not what the story's about. Right. So with that, is that how we want to end it? Uh, a wound that could be perceived as being grievous and could take her life, or is it... And we just kind of fade to black, like we don't know if she makes it, or do we want to go, she gets out scot-free and goes back to her home to get ready for the next job, or interesting because yeah we're sort of like standing at that precipice looking down and i can see two different stories one where she's sort of being closed in upon by like guards and one where like they they are both stories that i can see where like she gets out and it's like oh i've just been rooting against the wrong person i've just been rooting for the wrong person and now this character that i thought was a good and moral character is now out on the run killing more people 
or does she get justice yeah is is there is there justice and and sort of yeah she died but maybe maybe we maybe we hint at that she's she's going to die or something and and she has like a, a list of she's like maybe she has like tattoos or I'm I'm trying to think of like some way to hint at she has a past and this isn't the first job that she's done and she's going out but she's killed like a lot of people and but like back that up you don't have to put that in the end just she kills a kid and she reflects like a brief moment of reflection of another one dead I've lost count or she's lost count of how many she's killed or something along those lines yeah if it, yeah the vagueness of it so we're gonna go with the the grievous wound do we want like people to be maybe she like hears uh alarm bells or something or hears footsteps approaching and and readies herself for one final like confrontation yeah maybe the blood of her wound like gets wiped on the walls or something and it leads whoever's chasing her to to finally catch up with her yeah so and maybe if she's in the house and like it like we as the reader we don't even necessarily have to write it but we as the reader like flashback to like oh he like smashed a table against the wall or something and like that there is there's very evident evidence of a fight because we've been describing that we've been we've been diving into just how their their swords gouge into the wall and they have to pull them free or something is is smashed and broken and she leans on the wall and that that's something that we've been describing this whole time so we as the readers know just how exactly and royally she is has left a trail right and then it can become like that weird irony of the assassin being hunted yeah as like or cosmic justice or whatever all right so we have a swordswoman who we're going to paint as the good guy who's going to actually kill our good guy and then murder a child and then during the fight get grievously <laughs> wounded track down and subtly hinted or explicitly hinted that she also suffers the same fate I'm, 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 so I'm like I'm curious about the wound now so if we have people pursuing her Maybe we don't make it, like, in in my mind before, it was like a gut wound. And those can be pretty nasty. But maybe it's it's something that just hampers, hampers her skill at fighting. Or maybe she, like, is hamstringed. That's the thing, right? Where they, like, like, she cannot run away. So she has to face whatever this is. And 
the odds are stacking against her because if she is an assassin and she's been paid to do this, like she wouldn't be paid to assassinate no one's child. Like the the child is is probably under some significance, and there are multiple people coming to get her. And maybe it's not the wound that's fatal, but it has taken away her her edge at fighting. Just her mobility. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to play around with where the wound is because I also was envisioning a gut wound. But that was just because I was focusing on the detail and, like, like what if she gets stabbed in the gut and using that, the blade is in her body. She's able to actually kill her opponent because of, like, he doesn't have his sword out to defend himself. But, yeah, I mean, we can change where the wound is and change how the outcome of the fight happens. We just know that she wins. Yeah. Because maybe it's something where it's it's not like she ha- she took the wound to win, but even it's just he went for a crippling blow and she went for the killing blow. And they both opened themselves up to danger and she just took the, the bigger step. Yeah, she was just a little bit faster. I like it. It's kind of interesting having the the story kind of laid out a little bit already and and with with how little like like world building there is like we're leaving all this like very intentionally blank because that's not what we care about we care about the fight scene and and being able to create that emotional bond to these characters very quickly right and then yank it away yank it away twist snap crush yep well do we want to is there anything else you want to flesh out about it or is there anything else you want to talk about um we can i mean i guess we it doesn't have to be a sword we can talk about the weapons just a little bit yeah is it a short sword is it a long sword is it just two daggers yeah if if that's something that we that we play on that that idea of you realize that maybe he wasn't she's fighting with sort of like a plain dagger or or a sword or something like that and he was fighting with something that he took off the wall that wasn't really meant to be used in combat and you're like the the first the first thought is oh he's like a bandit or something and he can't afford the weapon but then you realize it was just a a self-defense thing it wasn't you realize if he was a bandit wearing such fine clothing he would have been able to afford a sword of higher quality or we we kind of realize that his sword is decrement decorative not decremental um the only problem I could see with that is if it's decorative, then that kind of makes it seem like maybe he was in the house. Like, it is his house. Like, it comes yeah. too close yeah. to, to spilling the beans. And also, if if he's just fighting with something that he picked up, how is he going toe-to-toe with this assassin? Right. So maybe we scratch that and we focus on 
Well, I wonder if maybe maybe we do think of a little bit about what her what her kit is, what what things that she has available to her because if she is an assassin, which she wouldn't be carrying around a longsword, the you we think about well she she probably has a smaller blade and she probably has more on her that that could come into the fight if we're fleshing out and detailing this fight as much as we can as as the room is fleshed out we also learn that oh she's she has a knife slipped into her boot and that comes out at some point or she has a a pouch of that's some... how we start to reveal that she's not who we made her out to be yeah we we slowly realize that she's carrying an arsenal like she she has a pouch of sand that she throws into his, her his eyes and you think why does she have a pouch of sand she doesn't have a sword she's got like just a plain dagger or like a fine dagger and then in the fight she uses something else showing her hand to the reader that she's not the one that you should be rooting for yeah it sort of becomes this sense of dread where it's like oh is that really what this story is about is she going to is she is she trying to kill somebody and then she opens the door and it's a kid and you're like oh it it is that story and you're sort of like stomach drops a little bit yeah so then we give him if he's a guard in the house we'll just give him a short sword or something because I don't think you'd want yeah. a long sword in a house. Might catch on the ceiling. Seems, yeah, it, it seems a little excessive and n- not quite the right tool for the job. Oh, it's probably going to take me a little bit more time to to think of all the things an assassin might carry, like the uh, the amount of time that they probably have to to realize all the things that they would need is a little different than the just sitting down and being like, oh, well, what does an assassin carry? Requires a bit more um, involvement. No, other than that, I can't think of anything else to flesh out. Yeah, I think, it, I think, it, I'm pretty excited. I think this is going to be pretty interesting. The The test will be giving enough that you care without giving away the twist and without making it feel sort of unwarranted or unexplained. Right. You don't want to, I mean, you want to surprise, but you don't want to just totally, like, there's no, like, if you don't provide a logical roadmap as to how that twist happened, then the twist isn't believable because it's, again, back to that realism thing. It's not real. It's fake. You just... You just wanted the story to do that, and you didn't take the time to try and logically think it out. I'm just flashing to all the... the In the context of stories that have just ended, the outrage and sort of... <laughs> the outrage that can come from a twist that has not been uh, set up properly. But maybe we do leave it there, and we jump into... 
recommending things and maybe we can talk about I, I don't know you you said you had an idea of what you want to recommend and if it if it is what I think it is maybe we can talk about that kind of style of writing um I don't think that you know this one actually maybe you do but oh um it is called the night angel trilogy by brent weeks huh i do not know that uh well what, what's it about so funny the reason i'm recommending this is because that idea of the assassin kind of i thought of this book so it, it follows a character um his name is Azoth, and then it eventually turns into Kyler Stern, which is a fake name. And essentially, he's like this magically gifted assassin, and he's trained by a master of his craft, who is just like way better than the other assassins. They're called Wet Boys, I think, in the series, but super awesome assassin people. And he eventually like learns that craft and becomes something more. I don't want to give it away because there's a lot. Um, I like it because, yeah. again, it follows this one character, but there's also a lot of other supporting characters that get really well fleshed out and that you start to like sympathize with and root for. And So it's not all about this one character. There's a bunch of different characters that you can latch on to. Like he meets... He meets a, uh, well, I don't want to give it away. Yeah. I guess I was, I was kind of thinking of what I should recommend. And as you're, as you're talking about, I'm about this story. It sounds very interesting. I'm reminded of another series that I really like. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling to think if I mentioned it in the first episode, but I'll just go ahead and recommend, uh, King's Dark Tidings. Um, by Kel Cade, and it's another, uh, it's another story about kind of that assassin, this this sort of masterfully trained killing machine, and the I I feel like the 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 twist sort of comes early on, so I don't feel that bad kind of saying that. I, th- I think the book is very, very good, and if you want to listen to it without, just skip this next part. And But he's, like, brought up in this castle and taught to be an assassin, and then he sort of loses his directive. And he has all of these skills in how to be an assassin and infiltrate all these things, and he doesn't know exactly what to do. So the the series is him kind of, like, He's he has such a trained sense of competency that he just is sort of improving his way through the world and it like he just gets more and more responsibility and it's almost like a a kid being taught morals because he was never taught morals he was taught to follow orders and now he doesn't have anyone to give him orders. Oh yeah, I'll have to look it up. It's pretty good. Um. And going back, having having uh, recommended those things, we can kind of go into the. Oh, I'm suddenly blanking on the word, but our our own personal 
little sort of news. Um, I guess if you guys are wondering where Alex is, he is is not gone. He will be back. Um, and we're just going to be adding Ethan, and we'll have sort of hopefully all three of us here, and if not, sort of a rotating cast in order to get more episodes out to you guys. And uh, stay tuned for some some interesting things as we sort of experiment with the kind of content that we want to create and as on that note you can check out our website ityatail.com um we're going to be posting most of what we create there um already the website is up we've got our podcasts will be on there as well as um there'll be a tab with um these actual physical well i guess not physical but written down versions of all the stories that we tell so if you guys want to read them or reread them and go back um you can check it out there also we're going to be listing all of the things that we've recommended so if you have a bunch of time eating a hole in your pocket uh and you've already listened to all of our episodes because that's what you should do first check out the recommendations tab um and I think you can leave a comment on some of our blog posts. We, we might start posting more sort of insight into our writing process there. But check there. Um, we also have a Twitter. Uh, it's the same, I-T-Y-A tail. I guess at before that because it's Twitter. Um, you can also email us. Uh, if anyone wants to email us, we have an email, I-T-Y-A tail at gmail.com if you guys have any story recommendations or just anything really if if anyone is out there show us that we're not screaming into a void and uh shoot us an email or tweet um gonna be working on getting a facebook site up too soon here in the next bit as we sort of struggle through realizing all the all the things and trying to fill as much potential as we possibly can um check us out there um and we'll just be trying to uh branch out so um if there that's all that i have is there anything else that you can think i'm forgetting to talk about no um i think you just about summed it all up i guess then we can sign off and i remember editing the second episode and i think alex said something that I was like, man, that seems like a a good note that we could end on and sort of add a continuity line, but now I'm suddenly drawing a blank, so I guess we just sort of sign off. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm I've been Nathan. Yeah, thank you, and this is Ethan. Dagger. The entry hall to the building was dimly lit, the stone floor barely visible. Small beams of moonlight peeked through the curtains of the windows, illuminating small specks of dust in the air. That same light danced across the exposed blade of the woman. Small and slender, it was an inconspicuous thing. No ornamentation. Simple. Functional. Her brow was covered in small beads of sweat as she squared herself against her opponent, blade held low. Her foe was a large man. His close-cropped hair was dark, his muscles finely toned from many days of swordplay. His blade was held in one hand, point aimed for the woman. 
they had found themselves at odds. Her goal lay up the spiraling staircase. There the child slept. Swords clashed and sparks flew as the man stepped in with a powerful downward strike, his short sword cutting through the air. The woman interposed her smaller blade at the last second and shifted her weight to the left. Her block was unable to fully stop the blow, instead redirecting it over her right shoulder. His sword swung harmlessly by, gouging into the wooden walls. She extracted her smaller blade from the block, pulling back quickly, then sent it flying in a thrust towards the man's exposed neck. The urgency to reach the stairs was clear in her mind. The man saw the incoming thrust, and instinctively rolled his shoulders to his left. Her blade scored a hit on his cheek as he spun out of the way, a thin line of blood forming across his face. His sword came up in a strong guard, weapon held with both hands centered on his hips. The point was aimed at the ceiling, and it bobbed in time with his heavy breathing. The blood began to pour down the small cut, causing his eyes to twitch in irritation. It took all of his mental discipline not to wipe at it. His eyes remained trained on the smaller figure. He instinctively kicked a rug out of the way as he began to move in a slow circle. The room was large enough for the two to maneuver a small amount, and each was hoping to find some advantage over the other. Before the urge to wipe the blood became too great, he roared as he charged at the woman. He sent his blade rocketing down over his right shoulder, snapping down at her clavicle. As she raised her dagger to deflect, he levered back with his bottom hand, causing the weapon to suddenly stop its momentum. Her block only met air, and she tried to readjust. As his sword came flying back to his shoulder, he twisted his bottom hand up and across in a horizontal swing at her exposed gut. The woman stepped to the side, trying to move out of the way, but the blade tore across the right side of her midsection, carving a sizable gash. She stumbled under the weight of the blow, clutching her side with her free hand as she moved backwards. She began to whip her dagger wildly in front of her, trying desperately to score a hit against the man. Her blade rang against steel as the man brought his blade up to knock her feeble strikes to the side. Blood seeped through her fingers flowing down her forearm to drip onto the rug laid on the stone floor. She knew that the wound could kill her in due time, if the man couldn't finish the job now. That was the only thought she had time for as the man attacked again. He had grabbed a small vase from a nearby dresser, flinging it through the air. The woman ducked under the missile, and as she came up, he had closed the distance. The woman hopped to the side in response as his short sword thrust for her face. She swung her dagger to block as her other hand tried to slow the bleeding. She desperately deflected his strikes, collecting a few more superficial cuts on her as the blade broke past her defenses. As the flurry of blows rained down at her, she tried to step outside of her opponent. With each step she took, he matched her, always sending in a strike at her. The man paused his onslaught after nearly a half a dozen strikes, again circling as he breathed from the heavy exertion. As he stepped back, the man absentmindedly wiped at the cut on his face. The woman saw her opponent's arm come up, causing his blade to sit in front of him in an awkward angle. She did not hesitate as his guard opened up. With the last bit of energy in her, she released the wound on her side and she charged. The man reacted well, 
bringing his blade in a wide arc to intercept the blade he saw in his periphery. However, from a small pouch on her belt, she flung a handful of sand at his face. He swatted at his face with his blade, and she stabbed at the man's femoral artery. Her blade cut open the thick artery on the leg, and the man stumbled back. Blood flowed quickly down his breeches, and he struggled to regain his balance. She stood as the blood dripped off the tip of her blade. The man looked at her with confusion and spoke for the first time, clutching the wound as he stumbled. Poison? His stumbling became worse, and he lost his balance completely. He knocked into the dresser that had previously held the vase. It toppled over with a loud thud. The man's face was twisted in surprise as his body weight slumped down onto the ground, his blade clattering to the floor. The woman flicked the remaining blood off of her weapon and immediately clutched at her side. She winced from the pain, but continued past the body. She had come here for the child, and she needed to move quickly. She could hear his muffled cries from up the stairs. Her soft-soled shoes padded up the staircase, making little noise. She cracked open the door of the first room, peering inside. A small study lay within. No motion. She moved away, lightly closing the door. From down the hall, she could hear the boy's voice, clearer now. Mom? Dad? What's going on? She continued on to the next room. The door swung open on well-oiled hinges. She peered inside. The room was dark, and she cast a long shadow into the light spilling in from the doorway. The room was well furnished. Small toys lay strewn about the floor. At the far end of the room, a small figure stirred in bed. The ruffled brown hair of the boy covered his eyes as he stared at the door. What's going on? She didn't reply. Small drops of blood from her wound dripped onto the floor. She stepped into the room, the door closing quietly behind her. What's happening? Why won't you talk? The boy said more frantically. She quickly closed the distance, and as the boy tried to speak again, she embraced him. He returned the embrace, hesitantly at first, but then gave in to the desire to be close. It was easy then. A simple movement and the dagger pushed through the base of the skull. It was always more difficult when the young spoke. The small corpse was still warm as the door closed behind her on the way out. She dashed to the end of the hall and slipped out the window. A single cry of alarm echoed behind her as she left the estate, moving quickly through the city. The job of an assassin was a bloody one a point driven home by the blood dripping down her clothing. Her midsection ached as the wound there began to throb. She cursed herself. The talented sellsword who had been hired to safeguard the Lord's estate was good, but she was better. Time passed and her hurried movements slowed. Her body ached and her breath came out in shaky gasps. She limped through the mouth of a nearby alley and leaned against the side of a building, looking behind her as she moved. She gasped in pain and only then realized she was holding on to her gut. She looked down to see a blood-covered hand, clutched desperately over the gruesome gash. 
It was a poor substitute for a bandage, and she saw the trail she had left behind her. Her vision darkened. Her body tensed and she pushed from the wall. A bloody hand pressed to the wall to keep her from tumbling. If she could just... Loud shouts came from the estate. Was that a bell ringing in the distance? Her heart was pounding and she peeked around the corner of the alley to scout the street ahead. A light appeared in the distance moving down the street. Damn, she spat between coughs. She stumbled back to the other end of the alley, barely catching herself as she peered at the other street. Another light. Her eyes shot up to the edge of the building and she reached for a nearby ledge. Light spilled from around the corner. I found him! She turned. In her hand. A dagger. The end.